In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is The Camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Well, the Badgers got uh, maybe some expected news this week. Uh, we talked earlier about the, the offensive uh, side of the ball. We're going to get into the defensive side of the ball. We're going to start with uh, the, their best player. Their best player is leaving. <laughs> Leo Chanel has decided to forego his senior year and declare for the NFL draft. It means Wisconsin's going to lose eight starters on defense uh, off a unit that is likely, likely, unless Georgia puts the ridiculous absolute clamps on Alabama's offense, which seems unlikely in the national championship game. Uh, Wisconsin likely going to lead the country in total defense, rushing defense, top five in pretty much every other statistical category. One big reason for that, obviously, Leo Chanel misses two games, still leads them in tackles, tackles for loss, finishes second in sacks. He was amazing. You had an opportunity to chat with him. What was his, uh, what was his thinking behind the decision to go? Well, he was ready. First of all, he put himself in position to have this opportunity. But a lot of times when we ask Paul Christ about guys and, and whether they'll come back, he talks about that when they have these discussions, it's not just the academic piece. It's where they are at in their life. And in talking to Leo, his mindset is he knows he's got a good opportunity at the NFL, but he just got engaged uh, during the Las Vegas Bowl trip out in Vegas. And he, wa- he said one of his biggest goals in life is to start a family. And obviously his brother, John, is moving on as well. And so with that knowledge, even though there was no single factor, like there were a lot of signs pointing him to, to move on. And I'll be honest, the, the most, the, the biggest revelation to me in talking to him was when I asked him whether he'd received his grade back from the NFL draft advisory board. And not only did he say that he did, which isn't a surprise, but that he said that they gave him a third round grade. Um, and depending on which projection you look at, some think he'll be a day three pick. Obviously, if he's a third round pick, he'll be a day two pick. He said he expected to get a go back to school grade. Not that that would have been his deciding factor, but he talked about how the that advisory committee generally is fairly conservative. So for him to hear that information on top of everything else, I like to stay it was time to go, and you certainly can't blame him after what he just accomplished. I'll be honest, I didn't even know they gave third-round grades these days. I thought it was uh, a first-round, second-round, or, or go back to school. Well, second and third are both day-two picks. It's, it's my understanding like those are uh, – like that, that's kind of the cutoff, and then it's go back to school. At least that, that's what he said. Um, okay. And I get, hey, maybe, they've, he, maybe they've evolved a little bit over the years. but Yeah, I was, just, I was, I was looking at it from, from last year from the NFL, one of the like NFL.com. And it said athletes were given first or second round uh, evaluations. And then anything beyond that was go back to school. But if they, if they change it and he gave him a third round, then th- that'd be great. I mean, I, we, we've seen, like, I think we both think he's got the talent to be a, uh, a second day pick, right? Like we, I, I, at least I do. I think he's got the talent to be a second, second day pick, but I, where some of these places have him ranked are further down. And again, those, those are not, the be all end all. And I certainly think that he's going to tear it up at the combine specifically, you know, in, in the lifting aspect of yeah. it, but you know, like that he's, he's going to have a chance to, he's going to be able to show how athletic he is. And I think that's going to help him, but um, at least some of these, you know, initial rankings don't necessarily have him being in the, in that, that second day uh, range. 
Well, he's obviously a playmaker, and we've seen what Wisconsin linebackers do just if they get an opportunity in the NFL. But I think the biggest drawback, and he has acknowledged this too. He mentioned it in back in Madison before we went out to Vegas, and he mentioned it with me as well, is just the the pass coverage. Um, you know, we know what a great pass rusher he is. He's a he's a, a strong tackler, he can wreak havoc in the backfield, but his coverage grade wasn't great. And he knows that um, you know, that's something that NFL teams are, are going to want him to be able to be well-rounded. But when I was talking to him, he was about to get on his flight to head out to Phoenix. He's going to train at Exos. He said that's where Jonathan Taylor and Quintez Cephas trained. And he obviously did his research on it and feels like it's a good place. But you're right about the – he is a weight room warrior. He's been that since high school. He's going to crush it. I my, my last question for him was about the bench press reps because he's sort of become legendary for the 225-pound reps – and I, I asked if he had a number in mind for what he thought he could hit at the combine. He said the season had gotten his numbers a little down, which is understandable because you're not really focused on the weight room. You're trying to dominate games, which he did. But he said his goal since his freshman year has been to hit 42 reps at the combine because 41 is the record for linebackers and 40 is his best. But that 40 was a while ago. So if he's got all this time starting now, uh, to build up, I I'm, imagine he's going to be a, a record setter. And I look forward to seeing what numbers he puts up. He was as dominant of an inside linebacker as, as they've had. They've had a lot of good ones. Where would you rank him among the guys that you've covered? And you obviously starting back in 2011, you, you've had... Jeez. Uh, I know it's it's tough. It's <clears throat> difficult. I'm going to... I'm going to do well, a little uh, in, the indust- in the industry thing here and, and let you think about it for a second as I lay out all the potential candidates. Uh, all right. Which, I'm writing uh, them down as we speak. Yeah, which include Mike Taylor and yeah. Chris Borland and Jack Sitchie and TJ Edwards and Ryan Connolly and uh, Der- uh, Derek Landish. We all we think we forget about Derek Landish. Him and uh, uh, Trotter had a, I think a, a pretty productive 2014 together. You know, so there are there are a lot of different names you could throw in there. Jack Sanborn, like there are a number of different names. Chris Orr, you can throw in there that are. Go on down the line of inside linebackers. There's a lot, a lot of good ones. Yep. Leo's Leo's season may have been the best of any of them, but where where would you put him? Where would you like as a as a player, not not a season, but a player? I'm inclined to put Chris Borland at the top. Um, I just think he did so many things well. Um, didn't he have the record for forced fumbles or something like that? Yes. Yeah. Um, and of course, his is. I mean, that's a that was a long career and. He obviously played more games than Leo had an opportunity to play. So maybe that has something to do with it. But I just feel like what he did in college is tops for me among the the linebacker group, inside linebacker group. And um, I know they were running the 4-3 back then. But after that, um, you know, I one, think he got one year in the 3-4. Did he? Was that 2013? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he's number one for me. After that, I mean, I, I think Leo is in that conversation, and I, you could probably pick a couple of different guys. You know, Chris Orr's last year was pretty amazing. He also yeah. had Zach Bond there wreaking havoc. I mean, to get 10-plus sacks is, um, is pretty good. But Leo's tackle total, and can you imagine if he had played the full season, he would have gotten 140 tackles this year. Right. Um, so... Yeah, but T.J. Edwards was a first-team All-American in his that's junior was, year. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I mean, I think his all-around game because he was good in coverage too. Uh, right. You know, he 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 didn't struggle. 
he didn't he, he didn't have like a, he didn't have a huge amount of struggles in the passing game. I mean, he was he was good. He picked off a bunch of passes like TJ Edwards all around game. I think may like Leo's a, definitely a better pass rusher than than yeah. TJ Edwards was. But I don't know. I'm, I'd probably go Borland Edwards and then Chanel. Okay, that's and fair. Then, and then I think that's that, and it's all really close. I think Borland's at the top, but I think it's all really close in terms of the talent that they had. Now, Chris, had he not retired, you know, when he did, I think he would have been a multi-time, multi-time pro bowler. Now he, he was, he was not taken until I, I think third round. I think, I think Desmond Southward got taken ahead of him. Yeah. Um, he made himself some money at the, uh, at the pro day. pro day. Yeah. So, but I, I think if Borland had not retired, he would have been a multi-time pro bowler. And, and uh, we, he, he may be looked at even, differently but i think he's i think he is one of one of if not the best linebackers at wisconsin in general so i think he gets the nod here but here the other th- there is not a wrong choice here i think jack maybe a maybe a healthy jack Sitchie is is probably higher up on that list the way that he was playing in 2016 before that injury at iowa was was off the charts and then same thing you know gets his senior season wiped out by that injury as well so or you know by another injury so i think jack would have been up there too but Leo was, I mean, he more than capitalized on everything that he, more than capitalized on his ability. I'll say that. And certainly will go down as one of the better linebackers that has played here. This is a really, it's a tough conversation and it makes you realize how ridiculously good Wisconsin's linebackers have been. And we're not even talking about the outside linebackers because we haven't said much about Mike Taylor. And I don't want to forget him because if you look at his last two seasons in 2011, he had 150 tackles in 2012. He had 123 tackles with 15 tackles for loss, 377 career tackles, pretty damn productive. Um, And sometimes it's tough to separate out NFL and, and college. And obviously, you know, Mike wasn't one of those guys who did much in the, in the NFL and, and Chris could have done more. Most of these guys really didn't, but, just strictly from college. I mean, I don't want to forget about Taylor because I feel like he is every bit as good as some of these other guys. Oh, he definitely was. And he has some great stories about his injuries too. It's, uh, he's uh, he's a character. I'll say that. Like he, he did not, we had him on the Wisconsin football round table a couple of years ago and, and he did not mince words. Like he would, he would tell <laughs> you absolutely everything that you wanted to know about certain things that were happening. Yeah. So he was, he's, Interesting guy, very good player. Him and Chris Borland together, one of the better combos. And obviously, that was, you know, not the three four, so they weren't right. it wasn't necessarily like inside linebackers, outside linebackers type of thing. But both of those guys, really, really, really good. So we'll see where Leo lands. It's it's an interesting because I think he could move outside. I think he could be like an outside. Like if, if you don't want to worry about pass coverage, and you're not going to put you're not going to put him in pass coverage a ton, um, you could move him outside. Or he's a he's a first and second down guy. Like I don't think he's a three down inside linebacker at this point. Maybe that changes uh, as he gets you know learn you know gets more time with it. But I don't think he's a three down linebacker at this point. If he's going to be inside, if he's going to be outside, I think he could play all three and get after the pass. You know, certainly get after the passer. If you're going to just you just wouldn't drop him in coverage a ton. But we'll see. There's there's guys that you know playing that three four that rarely ever drop, and um, so I, I I don't think it's going to be huge issue if they wanted to move him outside he's certainly physically gifted enough to play outside and big enough to play outside for sure yeah i'll be interested to see how the next you know six eight weeks go and obviously we'll have an opportunity to see these guys who left back pro day and get a sense of what conversations they've had with teams so maybe then 
we'll learn a little bit more about how these NFL teams view him in the pros. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. Uh, you mentioned John Chanel as well. He has uh, decided not to come back for what would have been a fifth year. He's moving on that line that uh, fullback position. Little bear right now. <laughs> um, we we kind of talked about it on uh, in the, the show prior to this. Riley Nowakowski, perhaps Jackson Aker. Maybe they move somebody else over there. Uh, but it's it's a little bit bare right now. You don't usually you just have like next guy in type of thing at, at fullback, or it seems like it's been that way since I've started. You know, since I've been covering the team, it just feels like you just next guy in. And right now, you don't necessarily know who that next guy in is going to be. Not at all, and that's why spring practice is going to be so open. We can really only speculate. Riley Nowakowski seems to be a candidate since he's the guy who got reps after Chanel in the bowl game, and presumably, if John wouldn't have been able to play. Um, since he was uh, had COVID earlier in the week, would have gotten more snaps. And I think, you know, last time we had the show, I think we had mentioned maybe TJ Bowlers was dressed as a tight end, but I'm pretty sure he was a fullback. I'm pretty sure he was the fullback, third fullback and would have been the second uh, if Chanel wasn't there. So I don't know what that means for his future. Maybe it was just a an emergency situation. But Aker, you would expect to be evaluated at fullback and running back to depending on where things stand at running back. And, and that those are the guys right now because Cam Large still coming back from injury. Marty Stry took some fullback reps, was hurt during the year. They've got a number of options, just none of them proven at all. Yeah, uh, for sure. All right, let's get into the defense. I, I said earlier in the show, eight starters are gone off a defense that is likely to be the top-ranked unit in the country. They are young across the board except for the defensive line. So let's start with the defensive line where they get a they get Keanu Benton back, which was big, and they get Isaiah Mullins back. So those are the two starters back. Who's your third guy in? Uh, for me, for me, it's Rodas Johnson, but I think you could also say James Thompson Jr. Yeah, exactly. I put Rodas Johnson there. You know, he played more snaps this season than Thompson Jr. When I talked to Keanu uh, before the bowl game and asked him which guy had stood out most to him, he said it was Thompson Jr. He said, I don't know what he's been drinking during bowl prep, but he's been flying around and making a bunch of plays. To me, it is between those two, and I think whoever's not a starter is going to get a ton of reps, uh, but I put Johnson there. And after that, a lot of guys who you haven't seen much of. My two deep was, at least at defensive end, Mullins and Rodas Johnson, and then James Thompson Jr. And to me, that fourth guy, I put Isaac Townsend, a guy who's been around, spent two seasons at Oregon, didn't play much, 13 snaps this season. But among the returning guys, you know, there aren't very many that uh, – that played snaps this past yeah. season. It's Johnson, yeah. Thompson, Townsend at, at the defensive end spots. Yeah, no, I had Townsend as well. I mean, you could also, I mean, there are going to be potentially some other guys, whether it's Kay McDonald or yeah. Mike Jarvis, you know, Tommy Brunner is another guy that the Kalaji mentioned when we talked to him. I think he was just trying to get everybody's name in there. Um, <laughs> so, so he did that. Yeah. I mean, and then obviously the, the big question is obviously with Bryson Williams moving on, Who's, who's that potential guy that can fill in for Keanu like they did with Bryson this year? And I think the first candidate would be would be Gio Paez. But then after that, I kind of think Curtis Curtis Neal, maybe? The the true freshman coming in. I, obviously, he didn't play this year because he tore his ACL. So that might uh, that might be a little bit uh, something that obviously he has to overcome. But I kind of feel like that, would, that may, be, may be the other guy. I think the three that you mentioned are the three that it will be. Benton clearly the starter, and I asked him about who else he envisioned at, at nose guard, and he talked about Gio, and he said G that Gio is an awesome player when he lets it loose. 
but he said sometimes he fails to do that because he's thinking about what he needs to do. And Keanu really talked about being able to take him under his wing this offseason, get in the playbook with him, sit down with him, make sure he knows everything. Be, and, and the last thing he said was, is because he's going to be right behind me. So I think Gio is your backup nose guard. And Neil is interesting. I actually, I just talked to his high school coach um, this week and you're right. So about the injuries, Neil had an ACL injury, he suffered it during the spring season because they, his high school, they played spring season and a fall season. So they played like 24 games. Neil didn't play his senior year. He's going to be one of those guys who's enrolling early. So he'll be able to get with uh, the strength and conditioning staff, the medical personnel. And I think that'll help him a lot. The most interesting thing that his coach told me is that Neil is like six foot one. And, and his coach said that if he were a couple inches taller than Nick Saban, Kirby Smart at Alabama and Georgia would have been banging on the door for him. Neil also had Ohio State in the mix. He picked Wisconsin over Ohio State, but he said his coach said that those types of programs, they got six, three, six, four guys, not six, one guys. And, and his coach feels like Wisconsin's really getting a steal with, with Curtis Neal. And I'll say this isn't a coach, from my experience of talking to him, who blows smoke like that. He's got a ton of Division I players who has come through. Gio Piaz went to the same school. This is a school in North Carolina, Huff High School. A couple other guys that Wisconsin fans are familiar with who went to this high school. Devin Chandler went there for his senior year. Nolan Gruel, the wide receiver who committed to Wisconsin initially and then decommitted and, and went elsewhere in the ACC. Um, so I thought that was pretty high praise. Now, the big question that his coach had was, is he going to be ready this year? If he wasn't hurt, then I think he could push for snaps. But I, I think it's asking a lot for a true freshman to come in who's coming off an ACL injury to challenge for reps. I do think it does bode well for the future at the nose guard position after Keanu is gone. Because I think, I think Neil is a tremendous talent and his coach said he's got the best motor that he's ever seen um, for that position. So very high praise. He was an all-state honoree in North Carolina as a junior. That's where Wisconsin is at, at nose guard right now. Yes. So let's go inside where they have to replace Leo Chanel and Jack Sanborn and Mike Mascaluna. So essentially their top three there. I think uh, we haven't talked about him, but I think we're probably on the same page. Jordan Turner, I think, is the next yep. star at inside linebacker. I, yeah. We saw a little bit of him in the bowl game in terms of his just ability to fly around. A lot, very high praise from a lot of different people, a lot of uh, you know, teammates, whether it was Sanborn or Chanel. So I, I think Jordan Turner is the is the next big thing inside. I would agree. Turner was the first guy that Leo mentioned when I asked which guys he envisioned stepping into more significant roles. Turner didn't play a ton. Pro Football Focus had him for 23 snaps, but he clearly made an impact. I think he had six tackles. He had a couple interceptions, and everybody has been raving about him. My other starter as of now is Tate Grass. I think it, it's maybe a little bit of a toss-up. Mumajong Meta in that mix, too. Grass played 63 snaps this season on defense. Jong Meta played 58. Turner played 23, and Jake Rasleff played four. Those are the only guys that are coming back at that position that played defensive snaps because Sanborn, Chanel, Mike Maskelunas are all gone. But I also think that Jake Cheney is going to work his way into the too deep as well. He got a lot of reps on special teams for that for coaches to trust a true freshman to get that many reps on special teams says a lot. Hunter Wooler was another guy who got a bunch of special teams reps and played some on defense. So those are the guys that I think are going to be in the mix. The most intriguing guy to me is Jake Ratzlaff because of his length because his entire athletics career, he hasn't really focused on football. Obviously he was a, a great hockey player who could have played in the NHL. And 
so that's kind of where I'm at with the inside linebacker group at this point. I went Muma as as the second starter, but I yeah. know, certainly I think Bob Bostad, assuming he's still the inside linebackers coach by the time spring practice opens, um, which is certainly a question, likes Tatum Grass. Like he yes. he, he likes him. Um, so uh, Muma, I think, has more athletic, athletic ability. Is probably a um, has a higher upside, but I, I think he he really likes Grass. I like Cheney and Retzloff. And then there's also Brian Sanborn. You can throw him in mm-hmm. there too. It's it's kind of a wash there at the end because none of them have done it. And that's kind of what Bob Bostad said when we when we talked to him on uh, on signing day, when we got to to ask him about some of these guys. And he just said all these guys have uh, there's we've recruited them, we like them, but none of them have done it. You know, like Jordan Turner played some, Muma played some, Tatus played. Some. They haven't done it for a full game. And so I think there's I think there's going to be some moving up and down in that depth chart on a regular basis kind of reminds me of tight end where you have a lot of guys that you probably like, but don't necessarily have a fix on who everybody, who, who it's all going to be. Uh, yeah, I, when, I would when agree. See, when things get going, I would agree. The other guy that I'll, I'll throw in there, not because I think you're going to see him this season, but I think he's got a lot of potential is Aiden Vaughn. The kid who's coming in at, at inside linebacker is uh, going to be a true freshman this season in the 2022 recruiting class. This is a guy who didn't play inside linebacker until his senior year. He was a defensive back. And his junior year, he was hurt most of the year, didn't have very many offers, committed to Air Force. And in his senior year, he was he dominated. And he blew up and got a ton of offers, including from Wisconsin. Bob Bosted took him through a private workout in June. And they liked him a lot. But they also said, we haven't seen any of your game film. He played like one or two games his junior year. And he was so good that they offered him and he committed. So while I don't think we're going to see him this year, I think if you're looking for a name to watch among that inside linebacker group for the future, Vaughn is one of them. Uh, yeah, definitely. All right. Outside linebacker, Nick Herbig, now the face of this defense, right? He uh, yep. goes, he, he uh, leads the team in sacks with nine, had 14 and a half tackles for loss. Obviously, there's going to be some offenses focusing on him, but he is, he is the face. Where does he go from here? And, and can he top the numbers that he had this year, considering – He's not going to have a Leo Chanel or a Jack Sanborn, but that teams are going to have to focus on. Right. I think that's the challenge is you, <laughs> if you're another team and you're looking at Wisconsin's defense, who do you need to stop and who do you need to key on? It's going to be Herbig. And so do they put multiple guys over there to try and slow him? I asked him what his plan was, and he said it's to go harder than I ever went in my whole entire life. He's sort of maniacally driven, and I imagine he's going to take that next step. And and for him, his, his next step, when I was asking him about it, was – it's because this year it was impact the game more as a true freshman. He started, but he had one sack. Well, he made another big leap, but he said, I had games this year where I maybe only made a couple tackles where I didn't get any sacks. And next year I want to be that consistent guy. So that's his challenge. I think he'll be up to it. He's, he's the next NFL guy at linebacker for Wisconsin, but obviously the question is who else is going to, is Wisconsin going to surround him with? And for me, this is a tough one because I think you can pick from about three guys. I went with CJ Getz as the other starter, mostly because he's got the most experience. He's got the most returning snaps in the group. He played 180 snaps this past season. But the other two in my mind are Spencer Lytle and Daryl Peterson. Initially, I had Peterson on my top line, and I thought, you know, it said a lot that he was the first guy that Wisconsin's coaches wanted as that wasn't Herbig or Noah Burks in that bowl game. But he didn't make any plays. He was in the game, and that's his next step. So I think it's going to be Getz for his experience. But I think Peterson and Spencer Lytle are going to get a ton of reps. 
And Aaron Witt, when healthy, will challenge too. Yeah, that's the thing. I went with CJ Guts as well, but I really like Daryl Peterson. I think he's the next, obviously Nick Herbig is the next NFL thing, but I think Daryl Peterson probably the next big thing. But yeah, Aaron mm-hmm. Witt, you can't forget what he, where he was as a true freshman, right? I mean, he didn't get a ton of time, but he came in in that bowl game against uh, Wake Forest and had, what, a strip sack against them, was getting playing time early. He's a little bit of a different body type than some of these other guys, right? I mean, he's 6'6". He's 250 pounds, so he's got a little bit of a different body type than the rest of the room. So I, I they, they like him. They like him a lot. But I, I, I think the next breakout guy is Daryl Peters, in my yeah. mind. Um, Spencer Lytle hasn't been able to stay healthy, missed time this year. If he can stay on the field, maybe he can be, because uh, he, he was highly recruited as well coming out of California. He just ha- It just hasn't clicked because he hasn't been healthy. So those, I mean, that's the top five. And then it's Kane Johnson, right? Uh, a guy mm-hmm. who played a bunch of special teams. And we'll see where Bowlers is. Uh, is he staying on offense? He's staying at, uh, uh, what'd you say, tight end, fullback, tight end, whichever spot. I mean, I. You could do either. Yes. So, I mean, is where is he at? Is that a permanent move? I, I guess I'd be surprised if it was, but if they don't have anybody else that they like uh, at fullback slash tight end, maybe. Um, and then uh, A.O. Iadabogan is also still there. So, like, I think they, they have a, a number of different names, but among the guys that, I think you have a chance to play next year. Daryl Peterson is the one that I'm really excited to see because you talk to the tackles, you talk to the guys that go up against him every day, and they cannot rave anymore about his strength and his ability to push the pocket. He's different. And he what? He had, what was it, 38 and a half sacks in his final two years in, uh, yeah. in, in high school? Yeah, he's, he's got playmaking ability with him. And him, him on one side and, and, and Herbig on the other side, I think would be quite the match. Yeah, no doubt. And it's sort of a, a crapshoot right now when we're making these projections because we'll have to see how much they progress in spring practice. Peterson absolutely could earn the other starting job. That is his goal. That is something he set for himself even before the bowl game, but that bowl game really showed him what coaches think of him and gave him a lot of confidence. He wound up playing 17 snaps and they even created a package for him where they had that three outside linebacker package. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you all the way. I'm picking experience for now, but in terms of ceiling and upside, Peterson is that, that guy. Moving over to quarterback, they lose Fayon Hicks. They lose Caesar Williams, guys that had started pretty much essentially the last three years. I know there's a little bit of a uh, 2019. There's a little bit of an in and out type of thing, but uh, those guys are gone. They bring back Alexander Smith, who started in the bowl game for Fayon Hicks. He's a senior now. I think in, in talking to Hank Poteet back in December, he said he's the next guy. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's the next guy that's going to be in there. Dean Engram got a ton of reps, uh, pretty much in the slot only. And I think that is where he is. Uh, Poteet says he thinks he can play inside outside, but he's, he's more suited to play inside at this point. So I think he's your slot guy again. And then it's who's the other corner. Is it Samar Melvin? Yeah. Is it Max Lofi? Is it Ricardo Hallman? Is it the transfer uh, Justin Clark? You know, like which one of those guys steps into that, that spot do you think? Yeah, that that's a tough one. I, I, the top four for me, I mean, I have Smith and Ingram, and obviously Ingram is a slot guy. I just, I guess I felt weird listing him as a backup since he played 371 snaps, which is the most snaps of anybody coming back at corner. But they also play the nickel so often. Initially, I would have said Melvin. I, I still think it could be him. But Justin Clark is the guy that I, I'm really interested to see what he does in spring practice. So he he's one of the guys that they got out of the transfer portal, obviously, from Toledo. I, I actually just talked to him as well. He'll be here. Um, in a week when everybody reports back and starts the winter conditioning, 
he's going to be a seventh year senior. There are not many dudes that old. He came in in the 2016 recruiting class. He redshirted his first year in 2019. He suffered a, a shoulder injury and he got the, the medical exemption for that. And then obviously with 2020 COVID year, he opted to exercise that year. He was a starter in 2020 in the limited games that Toledo played. And the reason that he's at Wisconsin is because of Hank Poteet. Because Poteet was at Toledo, he was his position coach from 2017 to 2020. So they spent four seasons working together. And Clark was relegated to more of a backup role this past season, which he said he didn't quite understand why that happened, but he didn't want to go out like that. And he's got this free year. And, and he looks at it like, I'm just going to play wherever they ask me to play, but I'm coming in to be a veteran presence. And he told me that when he was a younger guy, he would have loved to have someone like that who could take him under his wing and explain to him the ins and outs of playing the position and being in the college game. So I don't necessarily know that that means he's going to be a starter. I think he's going to have a shot to crack the two deep, but I think he'll be very good for Wisconsin's program because he has been through the wars. He's been through a lot and he's played really good competition too. Is he, they played against Notre Dame this year and he said that he felt like that was one of his better games. He had a couple tackles for loss in that game. So I'll put Melvin for now, but I think Clark could challenge. And they've got a lot of young talent. Ricardo Hallman, I think, is one of those young players to watch. And he's wearing number two, which is, bodes well for his success as a cornerback at Wisconsin. I don't know if you knew this or not, Jesse, but uh, Jamar Fletcher, Scott Starks. Um, there's some other guys. but uh, uh, Start with Jay, Fletcher. That's pretty good. Jay, Jay Valai. Like, I'll, 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 Two used to be the number at Wisconsin. Like Jonathan Casillas swore, Brian Calhoun wore. Like they're they're number two used to be back in the day used to be the number, um, and obviously Wisconsin's all time winning as quarterback, right? So um, you know he's got that going for him too. Yeah, I don't dispute any of that. All time okay. winning as quarterback, Joel Stave. Uh, yes, when I look at this this group though, I I really like Ricardo Holman in, in talking to. Again, Poti, he he said he he's got good feet, um, but it's uh, with the, the problem with him and with with all, all all these guys is they need to prove that they can trust him. Like that, that's what. And he had talked to them just like minutes before he came down and talked to us for signing day, and he he had been having a conversation with all these guys. Like you need to prove that we can trust you. Like you have to you have to make it so that when we put you out there, we're not worried about you. And so. I think that is a huge part of this offseason for them. And, um, and, you know, and, and Ricardo said as much when we, when I talked to him later in, in bull prep is he, he knows like that it's about consistency and putting it together on a day-to-day basis. And if he does, okay. I still think Samar Melvin has a lot of upside. Like he started two games his freshman year that included the big 10 title game. Uh, injuries uh, have limited him to 11 games these last two seasons. If he can stay healthy and he's got a good chance to be their starter. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, it's it's easy to forget that he started against Minnesota in the regular season finale. And as you said, Ohio State, in the Big Ten title game um, gave up one big play and then came back and really held his own. Those are those are the top candidates to me. I'll also mention uh, the two freshmen that are coming in because they're going to be early enrollees. So we'll have an opportunity. Well, to at least see one of them in spring practice, Avion Jones and Corey Lide. Lide is coming off a season ending injury. He got hurt in the first game of his senior year. So I think it'll be beneficial, much like Curtis Neal, for him to get here and get with the medical staff and try to get healthy. But Jones is somebody who I think is fairly intriguing because both Hank Poteet and Jim Leonard said the thing that they liked most about him is he could play anywhere. He could be a nickel guy. He could be on the outside. They could put him at safety. 
Um, and that's something that Leonard has really preached in recruiting and with his players is that versatility. You really have to be versatile to be a defensive back in college football in general and in Wisconsin's program. So I'm interested to see what Jones can do when he comes in for spring practice. For sure. Uh, let's get to the safeties. No Scott Nelson, no Colin Wilder. So they have some names to replace there. Luckily for them, uh, they had a guy that played a ton of snaps this year already in John Torchio, and uh, he ended up, what, time for the lead uh, on the team with interceptions. He had three, uh, which tied Colin Wilder. Actually had, actually had better stats than Colin Wilder almost across yeah. the board. More tackles, more tackles for loss, more sacks, and obviously uh, had the tie with three interceptions. So I think he's a good the, – the jeweler thief is a good – is a good fixture there. I think he's, he's, he's the guy there. Who the other starter is with him, I think, remains to be seen. When we talked to him after the bowl game, uh, he mentioned initially mentioned Travion, and then he said, uh, uh, and Hunter. So it was like kind of like uh, me and Travion are going to be, and then he's like, uh, me, Travion, and Hunter are going to be. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think Travion Blaylock is probably, uh, at this moment, the other guy. But Hunter Wolder's upside is just, uh, higher than anybody else on the roster at the position. And yeah. you, you, talk to, you talk to anybody on that defense and you talk to anybody really on that team that goes against him and they think he's the ne- next big thing, not just at safety, but on the defense overall. So when I was putting together my two deep, I did the same thing at safety as I did at outside linebacker. I had one name up there and then I thought about it and was like, ah, I don't like that. I think this is where it's going to wind up. Initially, I put Blaylock as the other guy. Like at outside linebacker, I put CJ Getz there for the experience, but I took him off because I just think Wohler is the next star at safety. And if he's as good as we think he is and as good as we saw in the limited snaps that he got, then he's going to have an opportunity to be that starter. Blaylock is a very physical presence and certainly is capable of being a starter. Either way, Wohler's going to get a bunch more snaps this season. He wound up playing 69 snaps during the season. As I mentioned before, got a lot of experience on special teams, but it just seemed like whenever he was out there, and granted, it wasn't necessarily the first quarter against the number one offense, but he was making plays. And we know how talented he was in high school. I just think he's going to emerge and be that starter. And I think Blaylock's going to play a lot. But there's not a lot of scholarship guys at safety. I'll be interested to see whether they move somebody, whether they get somebody in the the transfer portal. I have Preston Zachman right now as the other backup. I really feel like it's mostly going to be three guys that play safety. So I don't know how much Zachman's going to play. They they moved him uh, last year. I think he was a linebacker. They moved him to safety. And he flashed in the practices that we saw but doesn't have any experience. And the only other scholarship guy is the incoming freshman, Austin Brown, who is very talented, very versatile. I think he's going to have an opportunity to work his way into the mix as well. But those are the scholarship safeties at this point. Yeah. Uh, And and Preston missed much of the season with an injury. So, I mean, he didn't get any time to, to work at safety after that move. He had, you're right. He did flash in the spring, had, had at least a couple of big uh, pass breakups that stand out, had an interception. So like he he did flash a little bit, but he was making that move. It was a new position. Do you think Austin, uh, you mentioned Austin Brown. Is he a guy that could potentially play his his freshman year? Is he got, because we saw with, with Hunter Wolder, not a ton of, not a ton of time on defense, but played a ton of special teams because he's very athletic and uh, was ready that way. Is that maybe what Austin Brown's kind of looking at too? I can certainly see that. I sometimes when you look at a class um, and you project ahead, you look at, well, how good are they really? And what's the position of need that Wisconsin has? And like, you just knew in this year, Hunter Roller's going to play somehow, right? Braylon Allen's going to play somehow. And even Marcus Allen, I, I felt like he would have wound up playing more, but he showed enough. And to me, Austin Brown is one of those guys. I, I feel like Tommy McIntosh, the six, five wide receiver from Michigan, I, is one of those guys as well who, who could potentially work his way in. But I just think Brown has the talent and the versatility 
to contribute somewhere. So I can see him being one of those special teams guys. Yeah. Let's get into the special teams. Uh, we'll start with the punter. Uh, one of the six-year guys coming back is uh, Andy Bujanovich. So had a really good season. Uh, one of the better seasons for a punter at Wisconsin. And was, they'll get another year of him. So that's, yeah. that's good, right? That's a huge deal. He set the single season school record with 46.4 yards per punt. So that's pretty damn good. And uh, can't be much better than what they've got at punter right now with him. Right. And so then at kicker, Colin Larsh also coming back, finished uh, the season strong in the, uh, in the bowl game, two for two, hit a career long 48 yarder, hit 77% uh, of his kicks this year. He figures to be the guy, especially in, in the, the short distances. He's still yet to hit a field goal over 50 yards. And we'll talk about the guy that potentially could could uh, maybe take on some of those duties. But Colin Larsh coming back, good thing for the Wisconsin, obviously, right? Yeah, I think it is a good thing. He's coming off his the best season of his career, 77.3%. He made 17 to 22 field goals, like he said, and I think he did show he had a little more range than what we'd seen or a little more consistency to see there. He made three field goals of at least 40 yards. One of them was his career long 48 yarder against Arizona state in the bowl game coming into the season. He was two for seven in his career on kicks of 40 plus yards. And he's got an opportunity to be a fourth year starter. So I don't think that's a bad thing, but I will say I am very intrigued by the incoming transfer Vito Calvaruso. Um, I talked to him as well. He's going to be here next week to compete in spring practice. So he's going to be the kickoff specialist. Like there is no doubt about that. Uh, that's pretty much a guarantee in my mind. Does, the Jack, dude Van Dyke, buried does, his... does Jack Van Dyke know that? I mean, there's going to be a competition, but this guy is, he's Zach Hintz level elite <laughs> at, at kickoffs. He, he hit a touchback on 63 of his 74 kickoffs last season. Pro football focus gave him a 93.4 kickoff grade, which was number two in the country. Van Dyke was hurt last season, so I understand that that probably contributed to it. And touchbacks isn't the end-all, be-all. Sometimes they try to hit direct 19 of 43 kickoffs, and then Larsh handled some, and he had touchbacks on 3 of 27 kickoffs. But Calvaruso is expecting to have that role. That's the role that he had as a starter for two years at Arkansas. And I think it said a lot, by the way, that he came in as a walk-on at Arkansas. He won the starting uh, kickoff job as a freshman, and then they gave him a scholarship in the middle of his sophomore year. And Wisconsin gave him a scholarship out of the, the transfer uh, portal. There's not very many specialists that Wisconsin's willing to give a scholarship to. And Colin Larsh. Look at Colin Larsh. One. <laughs> Colin, Colin Larsh. Colin Larsh, like, <laughs> waving his hand over here like, yes. hey, hey, 17 to 22, where's my scholarship? And, uh, maybe, and maybe he'll get on one. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you reward him at this point. But, yeah, I mean, that's got to burn a little bit that this yeah. Calvaruso kid comes in as a junior who hasn't even played a snap at Wisconsin and they give him a scholarship. But I think it also speaks to – his talent. So, um, and this is a story that's going to run next week, but like I said, I, I talked to him. There were other schools that gave him scholarship offers, Utah, Maryland, TCU, Mississippi state and Florida state. That's all out of the transfer portal. I think I'm most intrigued by his leg strength. Like you said, he was a backup kicker at Arkansas, so he didn't get in any games, but that's because the starter that they had was the number one kicker in his class from 24 seven sports. Uh, his name was Cam Little, which I think is kind of funny because Wisconsin has a Cam Large. But he made twenty. He made twenty field goals this season, first time in a season at Arkansas since nineteen eighty nine, and he was an All SEC freshman kicker. That's the reason Calvaruso entered the portal. He knew he was going to be the kickoff specialist, but he didn't just want to do that, and he knew he wasn't going to have that opportunity to be the place kicker at Arkansas. He believes that he's going to come in and it's going to be an open competition right away. 
he said he was the emergency. He was the like the long range kicker, sort of like Hints was for Wisconsin a couple of years ago. That if there was an attempt from fifty five plus yards, which never materialized, he would have been the guy. Now, I don't know if this is true, but I asked him what his range was, and I I, I used his quote, but he said he hit a sixty four yarder in in team drills, like you know live reps in front of the whole team, and he said that in practice he hit a seventy three yard field goal. <laughs> so um, we'll see. But the dude has a serious leg strength, and I think he could be Wisconsin's kicker of the future. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, do you think he beats out Lars though, just in general? I don't know. I, I, I think Lars wins the job this year. I, 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 he was very consistent this past year. He's been a starter for three years. But I won't be surprised if this if Calvaruso comes in and takes it from him either, because. Last fall camp, it looked like Van Dyke was going to be the kicker, and then he got hurt. And Larsh obviously, you know, took advantage of that opportunity. But I, I mean, if he, if if Calvaruso's coming in and saying he believes it's an open competition, um, be an open competition, and Larsh expects that too. When I was talking to him out here, and it feels like a kicker, it's almost more so than other positions. It's whoever makes the most kicks in practice. He told he. You talked to him after the bowl game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I asked him about Vito and he had, he's like, I don't know who that is. Um, so I mean, <laughs> he goes, I, I, I've been so focused on bowl prep. I don't, I don't really, I don't even know the guy's name. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, obviously you know something about him. So, but he, he was like, Jack, he, he said, Jack Van Dyke when healthy is one of the best kickoff guys in the country. And he's going to show that next year. So, well, uh, it's going to be a competition. Yes. I guess uh, they're loading up on kickoff specialists. I don't know. I know fans would like them to load up on quarterbacks, but they got something going. They'd kick off. They're loading up on kickoff specialists because they're going to score so often that they are going to wear out the there leg of their kickoff guy. They need to have multiple kickoff guys because they're going to be scoring so much. Uh, and, I see where your head is at. Yep. Yep. Now I think it all makes sense now. I think it, I really do think it all makes sense. But yes. Uh, all right. So that was, uh, that was the defense and, and special teams. And that will conclude our, our look ahead at the. Do batters. we want to do punt returner, kick returner? Sure. <laughs> I love your enthusiasm, Jesse. Who do you have as the number one punt returner for Wisconsin? I think it's Dean Ingram again. Okay, Dean, all right, same Dean. guy, <la> Jesse. Who do you got as the number one kick returner for Wisconsin? Stephon oh, Bracy went healthy. Bracey? All right, cool. All right, sweet. I just wanted to get it out there. You know, it'd be unfair to the specialists for us just to do two and ignore that. By the way, long snapper. I was going to say Bowden. There you, Bowden. Bowden. there you go. Uh, a second year, uh, a second year starter. Peter Bowden. Do, do, do you know who the backup and the backup to the backup is going to be? I put Duncan McKinley as the backup. He missed last season with an ACL injury and Zach Zai, who came really? in and was he, the backup this year. Do we, are we completely ignoring Grover Bordelotti? Uh, I, I mean, he, he might wind up as the backup running back. Who knows? <laughs> this, this feels, I mean, I, I feel like you're just forgetting about this guy who proved that he could be the backup long snapper in, in place of those two injured guys, McKinley and Zai. And uh, and traveled, so I think yeah, I don't, I don't think we should just be ignoring what they got in Grover Bordelotti. Just I, I just well, this is the hard hitting analysis that everybody came for. We're diving deep into who the top four long snipers can be for Wisconsin. <laughs> it's it's always it's never important till it's important, Jesse. That's right, never important till it's important. Um, yes. So all right, so that is a, a look at the depth chart. Anything else you wanted to hit on before we uh, say goodbye? I think we covered most of it. We're uh, we're good for this week. But there's always right. new stuff developing. That's that's what's great about the football season, as I say. Yeah, we'll get into uh, next week, get into perhaps some 
Well, well, maybe Wisconsin will have made a decision on what exactly they're going to do. I mean, we're not into February yet, right? So Paul Christ uh, is not yet trying to address his staff. Was it February or January that he was going to address his staff? He was going to, well, that was when he was talking about the recruiting department specifically that he was going to spend, he was going to spend January doing it and have things in place by February. Okay. All right. Got it. So maybe we'll have something on that uh, along with uh, a new offensive line coach or potentially a new offensive coordinator or potentially a new quarterbacks coach or potentially nothing at all. And uh, they'll just bring in an offensive line coach and it'll be status quo, which uh, of all those options, what do you think it's going to be the most likely? Oh, um, well, I think I said this on the last episode. I'm going Bostead to O-line. Maybe they just bring in a quarterback's coach and Paul keeps calling plays. I don't know, man. I, will he bring in somebody to just totally take the reins in both aspects? So. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'd be, I'll be, He's got I'd a big be, decision to make. I'd be a fan of it, but I, um, but I don't think so. I don't know. We, we've, we've talked about this multiple times, so I don't think anybody, it's, we're not going to hit on anything new here. Uh, until next week, uh, thank you very much, Jesse. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.